Welcome to Confronting Christian Culture, a podcast where we address the issues found in old lessons and expectations. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Confronting Christian Culture. I'm your host, Jory, and today I'm sitting down with uh, Pastor Corey Simon. Uh, Say hi, Corey. Hi, everybody. So, Corey, today we kind of want to dig into a big question, which uh, is something we all have assumptions at. Like, we all have assumptions on this growing up and uh as they and they change throughout our life but i want to look at the question what is a pastor and i don't want to take away from uh ethan and joe's conversation on their podcast which is titled that but like i i want to ask that question of you know like what did we expect pastors to be growing up when we were young and like our assumptions uh and what do we understand them as now and also has like the culture changed around pastors and yeah you're smiling because yeah we both know that the culture understanding of what a pastor is has changed dramatically in the 30 years we've been alive yeah i'd I'd say even in in the past five to ten years it's changed dramatically yeah so what did like did you grow up christian yeah i grew up uh i grew up um and in a small 20 20 odd person methodist united methodist church um, you know, that, that similar song and dance that a lot of us are familiar with, perhaps. Yeah, I also grew up Christian, very small church. I remember sometimes it was like growing and other times it just kind of plateaued, but like it wasn't that big of a church. It was, I think, on Christmas to about 200 people, mm. but that was about it. <laughs> um, so what did you understand a pastor was when you were a kid did somebody like tell you what the pastor was or did what was something like you just kind of assumed of the pastor um i guess i guess i'll probably just go more for the assumed because i don't i don't really remember anybody telling me specifically like what a pastor is um the the first word i might use as far as expectations go uh (laughs) is respected Mm mm-hmm um, in in the sense that there is this uh, there is or this there was it's more more that's probably the better word there was uh, this expectation that the pa- that that the the role of pastor carried with it a certain sense of respect um, which you know is why a lot of psychopaths <laughs> want to be pastors or some form of pastors. Um, I use psychopath loosely, uh, but I think I think along with that, um, you know, just just the basic definition of a spiritual leader within mm-hmm. a commu- within a community, or at the very least within a church, uh, and especially as we go further and further, more so within a church, as our churches tend to lean and become more isolationist. Yeah. I I remember I remember my parents making jokes and I don't I don't remember if it was my parents or other people's parents but saying like the pastor only works one day a week um that but that was like the the only jokes people would make about the pastor but everyone somehow expected you to understand that that wasn't the case without ever telling me what they actually did 
I remember growing up being like, okay, the pastor does his thing on Sunday. And then if there's a Wednesday Bible study, they do that. And then he's at some meetings, but I didn't know like what else the pastor did growing up. I never had like a pastor visit the house with my family. Like, but like I, that's, that was my understanding as a, as a kid was you, you taught Bible stories to the adults during worship service and you kind of led it or organized it in some way. And that was pretty much it. Trying to think of like cultural. The, the only thing I can think about with cultural, like the cultural expectations of pastors is like what I was told about how it was in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Like people being like, Oh, the pastor was one of the most important people of the entire community. Everybody mm-hmm. respected them. But <laughs> I I don't see that so much today. Mm-hmm. I think the I think there remains this sort of belief or thought that that a pastor is an upright person or is a uh, is a, a figure of some prominence within a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think a lot of older people, especially, still hold that regardless of whether or not they ever actually interact with that person. And so, and so what I mean by that is there's this old, uh, there's this saying that we, we talk about uh, where if you're a pastor, you live in a fishbowl um, where, where everybody's observing you. And, and I don't think I ever realized how true that was until uh, this past summer. <laughs> yeah. So there, there exists this expectation that a pastor is supposed to be this sort of figure figurehead in the community uh, even if the community doesn't actually have any interest in them. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Which, which that gets into the, that gets into the cultural change mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So like what, I mean, I, I spent two years to almost three years in, in organized congregational ministry. And I, never had that experience of like I had the experience that the people expected me to be on top of what was happening uh, but very much just dealing with the church itself like I felt like a lot of people didn't either there were people who didn't want me to be interacting with the rest of the community or there were people who were frustrated I wasn't acting in the community enough it seemed to be like, you can't please everybody with that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So that's our understanding of like <laughs> growing up under like, you know, what we're thinking. Um, I, I just know this because I always remember being taught, like there is no, the, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the word pastor never shows up in the Bible, correct? I mean, the, the, the English word pastor pastor doesn't show up. Well, no, but, uh, there's no, actually no. no English word shows up in the Bible. Right, right. <laughs> um, there, uh, uh, I mean, it, it just translates to shepherd or from shepherd. There, a million verses will come up of like what a, what a pastor is supposed to be, but it does, it really just talks about like an overseer or like a, a leader in the church. It talks about bishops. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about teachers um, but, but the idea of like a pastor, so to speak, is like a, a largely new, well, 
it's it's arguably been around obviously since like the beginning of christianity in some in some form mm-hmm. um but it's but it's largely an invention of the of the community of faith because it, it speaks about an elder so so first timothy uh one or no um titus one verse six again googling it mm-hmm. um an elder uh, and I don't know the Greek word there, but an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, assuming assuming masculine, obviously. Um, a man whose children believe and are not open to the change of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refuse those who oppose it. Yeah, that's honestly what I was thinking of. Um, because yeah, no. I, I just know like that the word pastor, yeah, really doesn't show up at all in the Bible, but like it's there, we have different terms for it being elder, teacher, uh, leader, shepherd like we have all these other terms that we've used to describe these roles that people play um but pastor really i mean i don't think pastor really came about i don't remember pastor really being seen in a lot of literature prior to uh the reformation i thought it was more of a uh instead of being priests and bishops they wanted to be something more close to the community so they made so they use different terminology, but mm-hmm. I don't, but again, this is me just spitballing. I'm not hundred percent. Yeah. Sure. Don't yeah. We are, we are not, we are not Greek scholars. <laughs> no. And, and our, our biblical, our biblical uh, history class is a little uh, outdated too. Um, so I, I pulled up blue letter Bible, which mm-hmm. uh, shout out is my uh, go-to choice for um, looking up the Greek yeah um so so the word for elder is uh presbyterios or presbyteros mm-hmm. um which you know obviously comes to us today in presbyterian pres uh, presbyter whatever you want to say yeah. um and so that just means an elder yeah. um and then the other word being uh overseer which comes to us from episkopos uh, which often was translated as a, a bishop or a, a superintendent of some sort um and actually predominantly translated as bishop and only really translated as overseer one time. Didn't know that one. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so yeah, there, there's actually, I think there's a decent amount of stuff that we could unpack just from that Titus passage. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, I think as usual, um, I think there are, I think there are useful things that we can pull from that and things that we can look at and say, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 interpreting, it's it's using a what first century source and and trying to bring it up to the twenty first century and right. like understanding how that means because like you said because the passage itself talks in masculine and feminine. It's so like you if for the elder has to be masculine in this case, uh, in this in the if you're taking the literal mm-hmm. Greek, but. I know multiple versions nowadays are like, it's, you have one spouse because women can be elders. Uh, that's a controversial topic on itself because I know there are groups that don't think that. 
Which yeah, is and there and there's even the question of like it, <laughs> and we're getting into the weeds, but there's even the yeah. question of like the 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 concept of of one man and one woman, like whether or not that's a cultural thing or mm. an expectation. And as as times go, and as we become more open to different voices and different expressions of life, um, that that might very well change. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but you know, I, I, I'm you. You've talked to Ethan about this. Um, you talked to our friend Ethan about this, and and you might talk about this or have talked about this, like in a pre, in a, another episode. Um, that that idea of like, what do we do with this book called the Bible? Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's that that's again another <laughs> whole topic, another whole thing. Right, but like when right. we look into now, like, like when we look, so to understand whenever you're reading the Bible. You're not going to see the word pastor. You're not going to see the, the description of this is what a pastor is. So we have to ask ourselves, like, of all the things we have about the early church, um, what is the role of a pastor? Obviously, I, I would assume my sixth grade understanding of a pastor being you work one day a week and you do funerals and weddings is not right. Yeah, you know, you do more than just say one sermon and, and do weddings and funerals every week. Like, there's more to it. So what was your experience pre-2020 uh, being a pastor? So pre-2020, um, I was largely uh, from 2016 when I graduated seminary to 2019, um, I was the pastor of a completely different congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like things started changing for the worst and I made the decision to leave or to ask to be, to ask to be transferred. Um, and then, uh, and then I came to my new community, uh, was there all of eight months, uh, and then the world fell apart. (laughs) Um, which, you know, that good things, bad things, whatever you, whatever. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I can't really, in, in a lot of ways, I really can't divorce. Um, I really, I almost can't divorce COVID season from the church that I'm in now. Mm. Um, and it really feels in a lot of ways, like this church is just going to be the church of COVID <laughs> for me in my memory. Yeah. Um, because it's it's completely it's completely shifted how I understand the role of pastor and not 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 in a good way <laughs> mm. uh, and and shifted my understanding of how people look at the pastor um, and and that that I think is there's some good strains that we can kind of pursue there yeah yeah I would like like what how has your understanding of of how your how you're portrayed how you're or how you're viewed i think the expect the so so let me talk about what the expectation is i think yeah. the expectation of what a pastor is supposed to be um <laughs> is a some sort of some sort of apolitical uh being uh because because this concept of separation of church and state is so predominant in our nation and so misunderstood yeah. um that uh, a pastor isn't supposed to have any sort of political opinion, or at least not one that's made known. 
um, or, or <laughs> perhaps more accurately, more truthfully, um, not definitely not a liberal <laughs> uh, yeah. or, or left-leaning uh, uh, opinion. Um, it really seems as though a pastor can easily have a right-leaning opinion uh, and nobody really tends to complain about it uh, because I think, and I, I think part of that is just because that's the expectation. Yeah, I, th I think since like the Reagan and like the end of the Second World War, like Republicanism like really merged with and well kind of abducted Christianity and yeah. said this is ours. Yeah, yeah, and and there's a there's a hundred different reasons for that. You know, you bring up Reaganism being an easy example, but but the the <laughs> the Cold War, I think, being another example mm -hmm. where um, anyone remotely left was kind of pushed out, um, and and you know, godless commie, so to speak. Um, and so we're we're still dealing with the aftermath of that. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, if, if a country, if people get 50 years of propaganda shoved down their throat, <laughs> um, it's hard to exercise that. Uh, yeah. It's hard to withdraw that, which, you know, we saw that on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, well, that's why I wanted to talk about, like, pre-COVID, understand, like, how were you expo expected to behave and how were you expecting others yeah. to behave well, towards and you? Yeah, and, and again, it goes into like the, the two, so the, the previous church versus the church I'm in now. So the previous church had like next to no expectations for me, mm -hmm. um, which I think is, a, I think is difficult um, because the, the thing about this job, um, Jory, you were an associate pastor, I believe. Yes. So, so your job was probably a bit different than the one I'm in. Um, yeah, this job is is largely a choose your own adventure job, um, where you are your own boss, and so you kind you make up your hours and you make up your schedule of what it is I'm going to do. Uh, and the sad reality is that in a lot of these small towns, there's not much for the pastor to do. Mm. Um, if I can say that without getting myself in trouble. <laughs> Um, because, because, you know, you can easily become a type A personality and there's, there's plenty of pastors who are, and this isn't necessarily to disparage them, but you can easily become a type A personality pastor who is going to work themselves to death, visit every single person in the church every week, make every phone call they need to make every single day, um, and then volunteer at the soup kitchen <laughs> I, and do something else. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like, it seems like there's, there's something else that pastors are doing that I simply don't know <laughs> what, what the expectation is. Um, but, but it's also easy. It's easy to just kind of fall into like this, this slump, so mm -hmm. to speak, um, where it's like, I have nothing to do now, <laughs> especially in the, in the small town ministry. I don't know. Maybe that's a personal failing. Who knows? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I did, you know, my, uh, my hours were 28 hours a week and I was able to fill them up pretty easily just because I constantly was trying to start new things and mm -hmm. throwing water on fires that started constantly. <laughs> um, but like, I know the one, one of the predecessor pastors uh, of that church, like he told me, he was like, I would, rehearse and memorize one page of 
my sermon every day. So Monday, like he, and he prepped uh, a year in advance. So he had, he'd pull out the sermon for that week and it'd be like five, seven, five or six pages. Mm-hmm. And he would memorize one page. And that would take up like two or three hours. So I'm like sitting, I'm like, you know what? Maybe <laughs> like, I, I honestly looked at that and said, I don't need to do that because I just kind of remember my sermons like, and have them more of a free flowing conversation because I feel like that works for me and for my audience. But now I look back and I'm like, man, he like, I don't know if that started as a way just to <laughs> you know, be like, I need to fill out, I need to fill out three hours every day to make 40 hours. I, and I really think that might've been the case um, because, because yeah, when you, when you really look at it, um, you know, I, I hear people talk about, talk about it all the time and they'll say stuff like, um, you know, I uh, spend 10 hours a week writing my, or working on my sermon. And I'm like, I don't know why it takes anybody <laughs> more than like four hours tops to write a sermon. Um, and, you know, there, there are some people who obviously put more work into crafting a sermon, but um, in the words of our mutual friend, again, Ethan Shear, maybe sermons really aren't just that, or just aren't that important. <laughs> um, maybe. Because, because we so, but, but like, I mean, I, I say that half jokingly, but also half true, because mm-hmm. in the sense that so often um, people just, people are okay with the sermon you wrote. People are more okay with the sermon you wrote in two, in like an hour <laughs> than they are with the sermon that you crafted for four hours. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is just because it's, it's an easier to understand concept. Um, and so COVID especially has really changed how it is that I write a sermon. Um, like I will pretty regularly spend maybe two to four hours writing it. Mm-hmm. depending on the day and depending on how much I'm procrastinating. <laughs> um, and, and for, for, I'd say the first part of COVID um, I was largely work trying to, trying to craft these sermons that were like calls to calls to Christian faithfulness, mm-hmm. uh, confronting evil injustice and oppression in whatever form they present themselves, that sort of thing. And, and as we discussed in, in my podcast, like that didn't end well. <laughs> um but what I've been doing more recently is I've kind of gone more into that uh, very basic level messages. Yeah. Um, which, you know, there's a, there's a part of me, there's that part of that good liberal guilt part of me um, that, that wants to say like, you, you have a, you have a role to fulfill. You have to, you have to preach a message that's challenging and confronting the powers that be and, and this sort of thing. Um, but, you know, there's also just this feeling of exhaustion. <laughs> like yeah. I, I went through this ex- extremely traumatic time period that in like, as I, the more I reflect on it, the more I'm like, this is going to take like years to get over if I do, uh, because it was such like this, this betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still in this place. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's just this feeling of like, you know, the people have told me what they want. <laughs> mm. uh, and, and as long as I'm not, uh, as long as I'm not like breaking my convictions, 
um, and just speaking things that I know aren't true <laughs> or that I think that I don't think are true. Maybe yeah. um, I don't necessarily feel conflicted about it because I'm still able to preach the message I want to preach. I just have to be, <laughs> I just have to be more sneaky about it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, over, over Advent, I did a, a Christmas Carol series um, where I just, I broke, I broke the Christmas Carol into five parts mm -hmm. um, and then did it for each Sunday of Advent and then the week after Christmas. Makes sense. Um, and, and I was able to that way, like, it, I broke each part, I broke each one into like two parts. The first part was like me doing a skit of like reading it, reading effect, effectively like reading a, a condensed version of A Christmas Carol from the perspective of Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> uh, and then the second part was like a page and a half reflection on it. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, The Christmas Carol might be one of the most effective pieces of like leftist propaganda <laughs> there is uh, right next to a, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, yeah. And so I was able to preach a message that I wanted to preach and that didn't really cause me to like have to stick my tongue out too much. <laughs> um, but, but do it without making anybody mad at me. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe you've come to this conclusion as well. Um, it's so that, I mean, that, that's the other, that's the other detail that I neglected to mention is I got married at the beginning of this year, like two weeks before COVID began, like literally <laughs> two weeks, two weeks to the day before lockdown happened in Michigan. Um, and, and so before that I had, uh, I had, uh, what, what we might, what we write, we might refer to as like single man syndrome, <laughs> um, which is again, not disparaging, like, you know, um, a very good, very good things came out of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but, but as soon as you're married, like your perspective changes. Yeah. Um, and so suddenly I, I become a little more conscious of like, <laughs> this may be an exaggeration, but uh, the very literal danger that I may be putting myself or my, my spouse in um, so, so the, uh, <laughs> for example, um, a few, a few months ago now, there was that, uh, there was that kidnapping attempt on the governor of Michigan that broke the news. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the, or two of the guys who, uh, who were involved in that kidnapping plot live within 10 miles of us. Um, okay. <laughs> like they were they weren't necessarily the four who were initially arrested as like the ones who were going to do it but they were like suppliers and and gun runners and that sort of thing and and so it was kind of like this this realization of all oh. <laughs> all <laughs> oh, like these people might actually come to our house and like burn our house down and shoot us <laughs> and I, I i say that half jokingly and again i say that you know as a privileged white guy um you know, knowing full well that that most likely won't happen. Yeah. Um, and, and again, knowing full well that there are people who are in a far greater risk of that happening than me. Yeah. Uh, who still do this stuff anyway. Um, but, but it, yeah, it kind of changed the perspective, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that definitely like being married definitely changes your perspective of how you're going to go about and what, uh, what conflicts to get into. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the what hills are worth dying on idea. Yeah. So like, you know, I closed down my Facebook from, and I unfriended all my congregants and anybody even remotely church related. Um, so they get to see nothing. <laughs> And uh, I created I created the classic fa- the pastor Facebook. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, you know that one I'm very either I I forget I have it and I post nothing, <laughs> or I post like a very cheesy you know love each other today <laughs> type yeah. thing, or yeah. or in the case of Wednesday I uh, I crafted I worked to craft like this this thing that was. Um, non-inflammatory but still calling for justice yeah yeah and uh i'll I'll just say this for any listener who's not sure what uh wednesday we're talking about uh this is uh the first january 6th that'll it's that wednesday so you know (laughs) 2021 yeah what it'll uh, be known in the history books is still up for debate (laughs) Yeah, because uh, just a couple Wednesdays from now is the day before Inauguration Day. So yep. I believe Inauguration is on the 21st. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, if worse comes to worse, that could be a worse Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 2021, you know, <laughs> year two of a pandemic and who knows what else is lying in wait. <laughs> things are things are in some ways getting a little better. They're getting a little worse in some ways. Yep. Uh, you know, there there's at least a vaccine, uh, yep. not just on the horizon anymore, but like out in the open. Yeah, yeah, that's always good. Um, yeah, and so you know that's that's been something that's exciting to see is uh, watching people I know get the vaccine and um, just kind of feel a little more uh, at ease with yeah, like, hey, nice. this is this is gonna last forever. It's <laughs> nice. I'm hoping to get that one day. <laughs> but now we talked a bit like about our your experiences during COVID um, and before. I have to say, I think just since, you know, just being on Facebook since this last Wednesday, um, I'm seeing a lot more people really speak up uh, both like b- before, during COVID, um, I'd see a couple of pastors speak up about issues that were relevant to that, the, the week's news. Um, but most of the time they still kind of kept that a political, they're not gonna, they have their own private opinions, but they won't mention it in the pulpit. Um, but this week I've been seeing a lot of pastors posting being like, if we don't address what happened, then our silence is noted. Mm-hmm. Our silence is noted, and it's not like, I, unfortunately, for a lot of people in the rural areas of America, uh, the issue of Black Lives Matter was not an issue they felt was a hill to die on. They mm-hmm. felt that was not an issue to address. Um, Corey, I know you've addressed it. Uh, I addressed it. I know uh, all the pastors that I have come to really respect have addressed it uh, now because of certain pressures put on them. They've had to step back from addressing it every single week. Uh, But like, I know like at least there's been addressing to the problems. 
Um, but this week, it seems to be both like the pastors that I know that are liberal, the pastors that I know that are conservative, lay people, uh, retired pastors, people all over the spectrum are saying, we need to address this. Mm-hmm. Have you been seeing that too? Yeah. Um, I, there, are still, there are still some holdouts that I've seen. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, part of it's because I'm on like some different evangelical Facebook pages uh, mm. that I go to when I gotta, when I want to get spicy. Uh, uh, but but you know, yes, there are there there are I've seen a lot of friends and a lot of people who who will make those. I don't normally say anything, but I have to say something here type posts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, then I occasionally will get on like a. a Faith, uh, one of these evangelical Facebook groups, and they'll be like, "So, what are you talking about on Wednesday? On Wednesday, I think I'm, or like the Wednesday of, they're like, what are you talking about on Wednesday? I think I'm going to talk about Star Wars tonight.' <laughs> it's like the the nation's on fire, right? Or the Capitol building's on fire right now. You know that, right? <laughs> um, and then and then you know you get the classic. Well, whatever happens, Christ is still on the throne. <laughs> yeah, I see those too. And I'm like, yep, that's right. He is. I'm like, that's that's great, but <laughs> I don't care right now. <laughs> I mean, that's that's sure, but that doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, I think my response is, okay. Well, is he gonna get off his ass and help? Right. Like, like, cause that, like, at this point, I'm like, great. Yeah, the, the symbolism is great. Mm-hmm. But. That is essentially saying we should be inactive. Right. It's a, we should it's not a, do anything at all, ever. It, yeah, it's a statement from a place of privilege. Oh, yeah. Um, it's that <laughs> we ought to leave this world behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's that, it's that in the world, not of the world type thing. It's, it's, it's central, uh, you know, I, again, to be disparaging of, of evangel- this this time to be disparaging of evangelicals. <laughs> Um, you know, that, that's central to the entire uh, uh, indoctrinating message of the evangelical uh, gospel. Yeah. Um, is just this, this idea that just says that, you know, we shouldn't worry about what's happening in the world because it's not our problem. And it's like, mm, no, no, it's our problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, was Jesus on the world? Was Jesus on the throne during the Holocaust? Yeah, but for the person dying in the gas chamber, that really doesn't matter. Nope. Not, not, not really. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I, I feel like when, when people, what they're saying isn't wrong, mm-hmm. but it's just so it's. You have to ask the question. So what? Yeah. Like so what? So what? What now? Yeah. Like that. And, yeah, and and you know my my theology has and and a lot of a lot of the the experience that I've had with the pastor as being a pastor is just like experiencing the shift in my own theology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beginning when I was younger is like this very uh, fundamentalist type Christian. Um, because, because like a pastor came into my Methodist church when I was a teenager and like taught that you have to believe literally the seven days, blah, 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 um, or else the Bible's completely worthless to, 
to more of the, you know, the, the seminary type understanding of like, you have to read it through the historical critical method, blah, 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 which all well and good to, you know, we should interpret these things spiritually through the Christ, through the lens of Christ, that sort of thing to maybe there are times when the Bible's just wrong and that's okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, just kind of, just kind of being in this space where I'm like, you know, if, if somebody asks me what I believe, I, there, there's a part of me that's like, I don't even know what I believe anymore. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of pastors and a lot of Christians are feeling that now. Mm-hmm. this year this past this last year and now like it's and I, I think that is a I think of the past pastors like before my life had a huge importance in the culture and in the social construct of a community I feel like during my lifetime that has dwindled and kind of fallen off and the argument i what i always remember being told was that is because this coming generation is so uh irresponsible disrespectful Mm -hmm. lazy whatever and they were talking to me who is that generation they're complaining about Mm -hmm. um so why would i stay why would i want to stay with community that just complained about um then i somehow started leading one of those communities (laughs) and had to constantly remind them that the generation after me, the Gen Z, they're dealing with a life that the, that these seniors never know. Like you guys never had school with knowing that your friends were sexting other people or were being uh, baited by pedophiles. Like you didn't know this. Or where you have to go through a quarterly uh, gun drill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you, for my time in my high school, they, every single year, about every quarter, we had uh, a bomb threat. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that was very normal to me by the end. But yeah. that shouldn't be. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, um, you know, to see how much the culture of schools have changed mm-hmm. just in the time since we've graduated. Because you're the same age as B, right? You're 30? I'm 31. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to die first. <laughs> well, I'm 31 in February, so not that far behind yeah. you. Um, but, but, <laughs> um, but you know, when when you when we actually talk to kids, like you know, it's it's so radically different from even mm-hmm. when we were in school because I graduated in 2008, the same year the the iPhone first emerged. Um, and right. Know, <laughs> and and I can't even imagine. Um, what school is like now that smartphones are a thing yeah i'm Um, yeah and and if that's the case if that's just me and i'm 10 years out um you know yeah what's what's to say about people who are 30 40 50 years out like we're talking about different realities completely yeah completely different and like and that, and that gets into like what exactly what we've been discussing about like the role of the pastor is there, there's always been this expectation that the pastor is just kind of this important figure in the community. Maybe they don't even do anything, but they're this important figure in the community. Um, and now it's like, as the further we go, the more it's like, you know, some, somebody's like, well, I'm a pastor. People are like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Uh, I, 
while I was a pastor, I did my best to never mention the fact that I was a pastor to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing that changed, the only thing that changed with people was all of a sudden they felt uncomfortable and would try and they would watch their language. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and so usually whenever they found out I was a pastor, I'd find some reason to say some curse word. Because right. then, because then the moment you did, they relaxed and they were mm-hmm. being themselves and you could actually have a conversation with them again. But like now, and like that was when I started pastoring and now I feel like it's completely different again. Like, I feel like as, you know, what we've talked about with how culture is changing more rapidly because of the transfer of communication, transfer of information and communication is faster culture is going to change more rapidly with Mm -hmm. that how are pastors supposed to one keep up with it and how are they supposed to keep churches up with it because Mm. to be honest i see a lot of churches in my area and around this country and say yeah they're going to close within 10 years that just means free real estate like Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just looking forward to like some really really nice uh condos with you know (laughs) really nice stained glass yeah well and and you know, the Trump administration <laughs> and, and, and the season of COVID and, and this, everything that's been happening has been doing the church zero favors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's been making the church more isolationist um, because, you know, well, the world's just falling apart and we have to, we can't trust, we can't trust any of them. Uh, yeah. as, and, a, as a whole, the, the American yeah, church yeah, is very much becoming that. Yeah, I, I, I'm speaking in general generalizations, yeah. but um, but but I think I think speaking in generalizations is important um, yeah. because, and again, it gets back to the Gen Z, uh, mm-hmm. to the millennials. Um, as soon you know, because exactly exactly for the reason that you just talked about with the swearing thing, um, you know, as soon as you say you're a pastor, not only is it oh I shouldn't swear in this swear in front of this person. It's the person you're talking to is developing like 50 different um, understandings of what that means. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're 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 conservative. Um, you you you're anti-abortion. Um, you're anti-gay marriage. So on and so forth. And and yeah. then we then we have to like work to prove that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are seeing, especially among the younger generation, a growing disinterest. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a complete disinterest in anything church related, uh, and and a lot of that is just because of like the the spiritual trauma that people have experienced uh, for decades, if not centuries. Um, and and you know again that that transference of that transference of knowledge, that transference of of opinion and ideas. Um, you know, TikTok has completely changed the game. Yeah. Um, in ways that Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram never did. Yeah. Um, and, and it's allowing people to, to really see and interact and communicate with people who are completely unlike them, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> I, think, I think there are parts about TikTok that are like the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> and, then think, and then I think there are parts of TikTok that are like, that's genuinely helpful. Yeah. Um, because my wife like spends a lot of time on TikTok, and so she follows like fifty different parts of TikTok. So like 
she's getting uh she's getting parental advice um hmm. if for anybody who knows me uh that's not an announcement that's just a, that's that's just a uh looking ahead to the possible future yeah um and and what that is doing it's allowing for this trans to this this transference of opinion at a rate unprecedented um, and 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 uh, and what I'm seeing quite often is just the church is behind. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the church will always be behind, um, and and that you know. So my, so my wife is my wife's really not or my wife's not a Christian <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is at best uh, agnostic, <laughs> um, and again, a lot of that part of that comes out of the summer from hell that we experienced. Um, but, but, uh, so, so she is, and I, and there's good things that come out of that because she forces me to have to consider what it is I'm saying and how it looks from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, cause in that, that's like why I, I pose that whole, like, a Xenia looks at you and you say you're a pastor and they form these, these, all these opinions about you and you have to work to break through that. Um, and, and so we're just in this place where we're watching how the church acts and, and we're continuing to have to ask, like, you know, do I want to be associated with that? And, and, you know, as I'm, as I'm one of the few people in my friend group who is still a pastor, um, aside from like Nick. For now. For now. <laughs> well, I, yeah, you're exactly right. For now, for this exact moment. Um, it's, it's forcing me also to have to look at it and be like, do I, what's it worth? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like we have for centuries put a lot of roles onto this person we call pastor. Mm. I feel like we've made them the king of the building and, and whatever that looks like. And then we made policies so that they didn't have all the authority, but we still had all the responsibility. And then all of a sudden now, like we're, we're looking at things and cultures changed and like, I, I honestly think the church's reluctance to jump on board and get onto the internet and utilize technology 30 years ago is why we're seeing still so many churches refuse to do online services refuse to do things to keep people safe instead are demanding and have protested and whined to make sure that they can meet in person and spread a contagious disease mm-hmm. and i know like there's an importance to meeting in person and, and worshiping and, and gathering i know that there's an importance to that and like honestly like i do miss i i didn't miss it much until advent it wasn't until Advent that I was like, man, I kind of do miss going and listening and, and having the, the candlelight service. I miss that kind of stuff, but I can, I can do without it for a season. 
mm-hmm. I can survive it without it. Like for, for a couple years, if it has to be a couple years, okay, that's fine. Like if what we're doing is helping other people survive and not catch this disease, I think it's the best re the, the best uh, and loving re- recourse. I think that's the loving thing to do. But I know even that is argued among circles. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's look. Let's look at a happier note. Can can we turn this? What can we have with a with a happier yeah, let's, note? Let's try um, to let's try to go out with a happy note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, honestly, I thought this past week, I thought the big thing I was going to hear about was Bean Dad. But have you heard of that? Mm-mm. This this dad this this dude like went on to Twitter and talked all about how he his daughter was hungry, and so what they ha- so he made her go get a can of beans, but she didn't know how to open the can, so he made her learn how to use the can opener, and he didn't help her at all, and it took her like six hours. And she was frustrated and crying. And eventually she learned how to use the can opener. But he was talking about like how proud he was that like she learned it. And everyone else, and like I looked at it in the very first part. I was like, okay, that's okay. But then all of a sudden he was like, oh, there were tears. She was unhappy. She was crying. I was like, you're now starving a child. Like you're now making a kid not eat because yeah a nine-year-old kid from what yeah, that's right yeah that's it she was nine years old and i'm like uh, and you know what fine she learned how to use can opener that's great i think she also learned she cannot trust you and that she cannot rely on you for help and that the world's going to be really hard but she can't rely on her father mm-hmm. like i hope that lesson to learn how to use a can opener was worth the years of frustration and neglect and and trauma she's going to deal with because of this like like why would you do this to your child yeah like at at some point it starts out as a joke (laughs) yeah like like that's funny that's that's objectively funny if you let it go for say 10 minutes if you let that go for 10 minutes that's objectively funny you film it you put it on youtube (laughs) um, whatever whatever the case might be um but then you feed the freaking kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, he talked about like how she figured he wanted her to figure out how everything worked in the machine, and she did. <sighs> except she couldn't figure out how to put it on. And he even mentions in his tweet, he's like, "It's not an intuitive thing. It's honestly really weird that we have a can opener like this." I'm like, "Yeah." So you guide her hand and show her how to do it, and now she can trust you, and she can learn. It's fine, but you didn't do that. You made her struggle for hours on end just to feed herself. <laughs> and so I was like, man, and I, I remember seeing that on like Tuesday and being like, this is going to be like the big thing this week. If only, <laughs> if only being dead was the, with if only being dead was the culmination of this week. <laughs> within 24 hours, I was thrown. I, everyone was thrown a curveball. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, <laughs> so, so, I mean, to, to talk about Wednesday for just a second. Yeah, talk. Um, you know, I think the most frustrating part about it, and like, you know, on the on some of these like Facebook groups I'm on, like, you know, I get I get different people saying different things. And so like there was this 
one comment that or this one this one Facebook comment and thread that like sticks out in my mind of like this woman who was like, well, we never saw this coming. We never expected this to happen. We never expected this to happen. Who could have seen this coming? And I'm like, we all did. We've been saying this would happen for four years. Yeah. We've been saying it would happen for four years, but we all of a sudden, like, in, in, after the election in, in November, we were all like, this is, they are going to do something. Mm-hmm. And they were talking all about it doing. They were, like, there's record, there are, like, a bunch of comments being like, they've, there's records of this, of this discussion taking place. This, this amount of people decide to do this, not randomly on a whim. There's conversation figuring out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, and the FBI and our serv and our intelligence services should have been aware, if not were aware of it. Yeah, sixty sixty thousand people, or however many pe- ridiculous number of people showing up at the Capitol is is never a surprise. No, <laughs> no, but I know, like this this weekend was, I and like I like I you know we've been saying like uh, since Wednesday I've been seeing more pastors finally getting the idea that oh we need to address this and that i've been seeing uh those past uh more of the liberal pastors addressing those more conservative pastors saying like yeah but don't forget to address not just what happened but the white supremacy like that is the root of this issue that is like the racism that is the root of this issue and and these people's idolization of a white supremacist uh, that is that is what's causing that is one of the big issues here that we need to address. So if you just say like, oh well, this was a horrible event, and not address white supremacy, then you're not helping anybody. You're you're just saying that's sad you got hurt. Go back to work, doing the same thing you were doing that got you hurt in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I have a, I've done a few different podcasts over the years mm-hmm. um, and I'm currently, I'm currently just kind of on a season break, hiatus, whatever you want to call it, uh, slump. Um, it was 2020, dude. It's <clears throat> it was 2020. <laughs> it was 2020. Um, and so uh, rather than, rather than direct you to any specific uh, podcast, I'll just direct you to my website, which is disruptivedisciples.com. Um, and then I could, I would also just, uh, direct you towards my uh my blacksmithing page uh which you can access through there which is um uh recently which is the recently renamed disruptive disciple blacksmithing um and so uh i one of the things that i do on a pretty regular basis is i'll take guns that someone has donated and i'll turn them into garden tools or some other uh thing cool have you started uh so you've done garden tools what else do you make uh, I've made some. Uh, I've made some heart necklaces out of oh. shotgun barrels, um, and those uh, those are a pretty easy thing to make. And I realize they're a very steady and uh, uh, good source of income for yeah. supporting. Like all the money that I make goes right back into my blacksmithing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that one I made like a good amount of money, and I just turned around and put it back into getting more stuff to make better to to have an easier time blacksmithing yeah um but i i make knives as well which i know is ironic taking guns and also making knives but you know that that gets into 
there's a whole nother conversation about that, about like what the, what the ends are for an object. So like yeah. a gun has an end to kill somebody, a knife has an end to cultivate. And yeah. A, a knife is so, is one of the most utilitarian, like it, you can use it for so many things that and axes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't like, yeah, I don't, yeah, <laughs> whatever. I don't, I don't need to defend myself. No, <laughs> not for the <laughs> likes of you. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Corey. Yep. Take care. Uh, yep. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And this has been, again, Confronting Christian Culture. If you have a question or a lesson you'd like to look into, uh, don't hesitate to tweet at us at CXCPOD. That's CXCPOD. Have a great week. <laughs>